Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you this morning. My wife and Holly and I were able to travel to visit family last week, but it's good to be back with the family of God this morning. And uh, thank you for joining us on this wet day. Whether you, most of you in this room, a special shout out to Miss Grace Harris. She's never, never been here. This, this is, this is a perfect storm. She's here, and I'm preaching. So that's just, you know, that's why, that's why the rains came down today. Anyway, so no, just it's, that's the little joke. Anyway. Thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing to weather the storm to be here with us this morning. If you're online, we, we thank you for your presence there, too. And just ask that God uh, move and speak to us through his word, not through what I say, but through the Holy Spirit. And uh, that is what we're talking about this morning, the Holy Spirit. We're going to be continuing our series in the book of Acts called Unstoppable. And because that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It is unstoppable as we uh, are, are falling into obedience and fall into submission to the Holy Spirit and let him work through us. And so we're looking at the, uh, the concept of the Holy Spirit power this morning as we look at Acts chapter 2. So if you've got your Bible, I hope you'll turn with us there or either power it up, however you want to get there to us, to Acts chapter 2. A little bit of uh, background and, and things about the book of Acts. And kind of we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, um, that, uh, that the author is none other than Luke. And so Luke wrote another book in the Bible. Can anybody remember the name of that book? That's the way to go, guys. That was a that was a that was a Sunday school softball question, and so yeah. So there we go. This is like Luke part two. Luke continues his story in his uh, the in, in Luke. He talks about his experiences and what he witnessed Jesus do. In Acts, we see Luke continue the story about what the Holy Spirit does as he moves through his people and the church is born and the gospel is carried all to the ends of the earth. Luke was a historian. Luke was probably a physician and and a companion of Paul and just kind of. Um, and it's like a good story. There's all kinds of things going on in there. There's there's trips. There's adventures. There's there's people that and we see God's miracles happen through that. And and Luke's just writing all this stuff down for us to see and witness it today. And uh, and so we'll be able to see some of those things. There's a the uh, there's a hero in this in this book of Acts. And it's not Luke. It's not Paul. We often think that the hero is none other than Jesus Christ and the work he does and the people's lives that he encounters in that. Uh, it's probably written about 70 A.D. Uh, and, uh, and it composes probably from about 33 to 60 A.D. as Luke just followed and, and, and followed Paul around and, and watched the gospel spread. So that's kind of the time frame and whenever things happen. So that's, uh, that's where we are in that. The theme, again, is the unstoppable advance of the gospel. It goes from Jerusalem to Judea and to the ends of the earth. And so that's, it's awesome to be able to see that. Um, again, we'll be digging in Acts chapter 2 in just a moment. I'm going to ask Haley to begin and uh, come make his way up here. But in Acts chapter 1, we see the disciples, they hear from Jesus, and he talks to them about the kingdom of God for 40 days. And it's kind of important. He hangs out with them 40 more days after his resurrection. And, he, and they're instructed by Jesus about the kingdom of God and what's going to happen. But before chapter 2 begins, he said, he said, hold back. Wait right where you are. But when chapter 2 comes, they're sent out. In chapter 1, they're being equipped a little bit more, but in chapter 2, they're empowered and they're sent out. So let's, let's pick up here in, cha in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 and verse 12. Haley? When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of um, violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there, now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, a crowd came together 
and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native tongue, our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Emilites, those who live in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? That was some tough words there, right? Thank you, thank you, Haley. Thank you for leading us into the scripture. God's word is true, and we uh, we submit to that this morning. Lord, teach us from your word what you have us. The scripture we're looking at this morning, I think, points to the, a theme that I kind of saw there, is that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us that we are not genuinely capable of producing on our own. In other words, it does something in this that, you know, I'm, I'm making fake. But if it's genuine, it's the Holy Spirit you got to do some things through me. These guys and the experience and what we witness here in these few verses is the fact that God moved in a new way, in a unique way, and, uh, and, and they had never done these things before, and God got the glory for that. And the Holy Spirit does that whenever he moves in my life and whenever he moves in your life. So this is kind of our main theme, looking for how the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us that we are not capable of genuinely producing in your home. I grew up in the 80s, and that's... You know, this, that's kind of a little flashback. Some of you weren't even born there, and, and that's okay. And, uh, and one of the things I want you to think about is uh, uh, my, I had three sisters and a mom and dad, and, and so we had a family of six. And oftentimes in my house, whenever I'd walk in, there would be this strange smell, this strange odor. And uh, having those three sisters and mom, they'd be doing their hair. They'd be putting a perm in, okay? Uh, if, if anybody ever smelled a perm or been around anybody getting a perm, you got these little pink rollers and green rollers and paper, and they're rolling hair up, and they're in the middle of the kitchen. There's all kinds of you know, talking going on, but the smell is very strong. It permeates the house. You know something's going on. You, you didn't have to have a question whenever you open the door. You're like, oh, yeah, somebody, one of my sisters are getting a perm today. And so that's, I kind of throw that out to you to kind of maybe get your memory jog just a little bit because I'm going to use that an acronym this morning to look at, the God, at Acts chapter 2 and hopefully whenever you look at this and you read this on your own, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember some of those little notes that, that, that we talked about this morning, that, that morning. So thinking about the perm and you think about the kind of the, the remembrance that it is in your, in, your, in your nostrils and in your eyes and the sights and the sounds. And that's exactly what happened here in Acts chapter 2, just a memorable event, a whole lot more uh, extreme than a perm. But then here it is. We, we'll dig, dig in this together. The first word of the perm. We're going to say it stands for the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit. And uh, Haley read this already this morning. It says in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. They had done just what Jesus had asked them to do. He asked them to stay in that place, and they were obedient to him. And whenever they, they were obedient to him, a few days after that, God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He said he was going to send his Holy Spirit, and he did. I want to just pause real quick and jump into a little bit of understanding, make sure we're on the same page of, of who the Holy Spirit is. You know, if we're going to talk about um, the Holy Spirit 
coming on them and, and being in, and, and living in us, I want us to make sure we have a little bit of clarity, a little bit of same understanding about, you know, hey, that's, a, that's who we understand the Holy Spirit to be. First of all, it is a who. It is a, it is a person of the Trinity. It is, a, it is a third person of the Trinity. You have the Father, the, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is not any lesser than any of the other two. He has been here eternally. Matter of fact, in Genesis, we learned that the Spirit of God was doing what? He was moving across the face of the water. So we know that at the beginning of creation uh, that Jesus was there because the God the Father and God the Son spoke to each other, but we hear and see the Spirit of God moving across the waters. And so the Holy Spirit has been there all along with this. Um, and He always was and never was. There never was a time that He was not. I want to be very clear on that. The Old Testament presence, though, when I, my, and according to my understanding, what I read, he was probably manifested himself a little bit differently than he does, and we see that happen uh, because of the promises of what Jesus says to us. In the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit maybe coming on people for a particular task or a particular announcement or a particular event in their life, and he gives them power, and he, or he spoke a word to them or through them for a particular instance in a particular situation, but he didn't remain with them. We have that promise in the New Testament after he comes and dwells in us. That's a, that's a change of things that happen. So um, if you think about the Old Testament judges, maybe, maybe uh, Samson strong, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was able to do these strong and mighty acts. Whenever he didn't realize that the Lord had left him, he could no longer do those, right? Um, whenever uh, the prophet, uh, whenever uh, Saul was a king, but there was a time the Holy Spirit came on him and he prophesied because the Holy Spirit was on him. And we could do, go through all kinds of instances in the Old Testament where that happened. But God used the, these people to speak through people and to, and to get his word to the people. The Holy Spirit is involved in that. In the New Testament, we see him take up residence. And this is very important in every follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside us. And he takes up a residence. He does not come and go. He is always there. And so we, we'll see some things in Scripture that point to that. I want to make sure we understand a little bit about the role, the key differences in the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of us, in the life of the church. Just a few reminders of things that the Holy Spirit does. And we've talked about this over, I guess, the last years I've been with you. Chris has brought some things out, and I've brought some things out in Scripture. But uh, in John 16, verses 8 through 11, we learned that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So right there... Uh, I mean, even just begin to understand a little bit about the work that he does in and through us is, you know, it's, let's say, for instance, you have somebody in your life that you know needs to, to know Jesus. And you're like, I just wish they would come to know Jesus. I wish they would get, well, am I doing something wrong? Am I not saying something right? Well, who, what does that teach you in John, in John chapter 16? It's the Holy Spirit, this one that's going to draw them. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to do the work in their life. It's the Holy Spirit that does the, that does the salvation. All you got to do is just, just be obedient and just uh, say, you know, let me tell you about my Jesus. And then God takes that and does all the other work through you some way. Some magic thing happens in there through the Holy Spirit. He works the things out. The Holy Spirit does those things. In Romans 8, 26, we find out that the, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray. He's an advocate for us. Matter of fact, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to send you an advocate, uh, somebody to uh, go between. So there are times in my life where I have been so distraught, so despair in despair over something that's happening in my, in my life. Like, God, will you move? Will you do these things? And, and, I, and I get out of the, am I not praying this right? Here's a, here's a little bit of peace that you can have in the situation. You don't have to worry about praying it just right because the Holy Spirit interprets it. He intercedes for us. He's praying for you when you don't know what to pray. And we talked about that a little bit whenever we went through, went through Romans. Uh, also, in Romans 8, 16, we, this is a, a very assuring thing. There was a time in my life, and, a, and, and probably if you've never experienced this, you probably will one day. There was a time in my life where I was beginning to doubt my relationship with Jesus. 
Did I do things right? Did I, did I actually pray that prayer the right way? Or did I, am I doing the right thing? And, and you know what those two things focused on? They were focused on what I did. And that's when I understood it's, it's all about what Jesus did. And Romans 8, 16 says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He gives us that peace. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with your, dealing your heart and your mind, let me tell you, that is the peace and the confidence we have. And that is such an assurance that we can have through the Holy Spirit. A couple other things quickly. He produces fruit and work through us. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. We'll look at that a little bit more in a minute. But it says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All these things, these aren't things that I can produce under my own power. Those are things that the Holy Spirit produces in me as we, as we seek to serve Him. He teaches us Scripture in John 14, 26, but He leads us in Galatians 5, 18. We learn these things and how He does this. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. And that is awesome. He did, it isn't something that the disciples just hung out and, hey, uh, what are we going to do? Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit fell on. No, Jesus, in, in his ministry, he kept pointing and said, look, this is what's going to happen. This is Matthew chapter 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And he, Jesus said, and then I'm going to send you a spirit that may be able to make you, give you the power to be able to do that. Whenever you're building your church, whenever the church is being built through you, you will have to have this power of the Holy Spirit because you cannot do it under your own power. John 14, uh, verse 16 through 17 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you. See that word? Forever. It doesn't say, okay, he's going to come with you whenever you're doing pretty good at your quiet times. It doesn't say he's going to come with you and just and hang out with you whenever you're in a uh, whenever you go to church faithfully. No, he said he's going to be with you forever. There was not a a, a condition on your part. That's and that's, that's the awesome thing about being having the Holy Spirit within us. Acts one eight. We have another promise in just a few verses earlier than in chapter two. It says and and one verse eight. It says, "But you shall receive power." And after that, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. What we're witnessing here in Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. Okay, This is what happens, and this is a pretty momentous occasion. Chris has led us through a little bit of discussion about the, the timeline, the history. Jesus came, he was born, and then you know he lived a, and, and demonstrated how the power of God works through him and, 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 to, and his, his heart for the nations. And then he died a, an innocent death on a cross in our place, and he was dead and buried and rose again. And, and, and the fact that we can have life is because of that. And see, and here we are at the point of Pentecost where it's after the Jesus' resurrection that his promise has been fulfilled. Uh, I've always said, okay, Pentecost, what's Pentecost? If I were to ask you, if we were to give you a piece of paper and somebody answered the question of Pentecost, if you've ever been in church or Sunday school, you'd probably just thought, oh, it's the day the Holy Spirit came on the church. Yeah, it was. But the, here's, the, here's the interesting thing I was, I was reading into this this week is um, understanding that Pentecost is what's been 50 days. So 50 days after Passover... Anybody remember Passover? What happened at Passover? That was, Passover was whenever the blood was put over the door, and it was, they were reminded about how the angel passed over them. And see, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection happened during Passover, right? So how many days did Jesus teach after he, buried, he was, excuse me, died, buried, and rose from the dead? He, that was Passover. How many days? Anybody remember that in, in Acts chapter 1? 40. So there we go. Look here. And so we're building it up. Pentecost happened 50 days after Passover. And so the disciples were going stir crazy in a room for 10 days. A smelly bunch of 150 people. This is what the scripture tells us. Then tells the smelly part. I added that. But anyway, they're in this room 
hanging out together and, uh, and just doing what Jesus said to do for those 10 days after he left them. And that's pretty cool that they were very, being obedient to him, doing what he asked them to do, and that's whenever he fell. The neat, some of the neat things that I kind of gleaned from uh, looking at Pentecost is this. Pentecost was another celebration in the Jewish family. Okay, you had Passover over here where we celebrated the angel passing over. Well, Pentecost is celebrating, it was the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So, Bobby, why is that, why is that significant? I think it kind of shows a couple things. One of the things is the fact that it shows what God is doing and just gives you a little snippet about what he's about to do in the end, right? And, the, and right now, he sent the Holy Spirit amongst his people. He spends them amongst his church, and it's the first fruits that we've received, that promise that we've received from Jesus, and, and we, we've got that, and now we can go and live in the world. And what we're beginning to see is just the first fruits of the harvest as we see people coming to Jesus. And in the end, whenever it's all said and done, at the end of the harvest, at the end of time, we will see thousands upon thousands, an uncountable, excuse me, I can't, an innumerable number, number, I can't say that, uh, the sands of the sea before the throne of God. Isn't that cool? We're, right now, we're seeing... You look around and you see people that have surrendered their life to Jesus. You may meet some other people, and that's our goal is to share the love of Jesus with them. In the end, we will see an immeasurable number before the throne. But in the, now we're seeing the glimpses. And that's what the promise of the Holy Spirit, the first fruits. Another little thing and a little sim, symbolism that I saw as I was reading this week um, is that the picture. Typically, sometimes whenever they would present an offering, they would present sheaves of wheat or sheaves of whatever they're doing, and so they just lay that grain down, right? This, they were supposed to make baked bread. Unusual. I think God knew what he was doing from the beginning with, of course. Because the baked bread, I think, symbolizes the church. We're all in there together, right? We're, based, we're a unit in there together. And this is a, as they present this baked bread, I think it's a symbol of God's church. It's kind of, hey, we are we're, this local church at One Community Church. We have a, a vision. We have a goal that God's put on the heart of our pastor to be able to reach our community for Jesus. And so we're there we are. We are that offering before God, that symbolism of that baked bread. Now, I may be reading too much of that, but not, you know, that just kind of wet my whistle as I, was, uh, as I was reading and studying that. I wanted to share that with you. So there, there it is. So the promised Holy Spirit is what we're talking about. And the Spirit would come. And it happens at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, um, excuse me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. It says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so in John, excuse me, in Acts chapter 2, we actually see that take place. You know, when the, the thing is, baptism of the Holy Spirit is, was a unique event here, but it, we believe it happens according to Scripture. We look at it, Chris looked at a passage last week in, in Acts chapter 8 that kind of parallels this. There's a very couple of unique times in Scripture whenever the baptism of the Holy Spirit is separate from the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens after salvation. Okay, because whenever God was trying to show the Gentiles in Acts chapter eight, and right here the other the other Jews as they were here in this place, they saw and they witnessed what God did, and it gave testimony to the fact of the promise that He had done those things that, that he, he would do, and he, he felt he actually fulfilled those things. Now. A baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe, happens at salvation in every other occurrence in Scripture, okay? Then the, other than those two we just talked about. But the Scripture does say, I will be honest with you, the Scripture does say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How can I be baptized with the Holy Spirit and not be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's, that's, that's kind of, that can get kind of confusing. You mean, you're saying the Spirit's coming and going? I don't think the Scripture's teaching that at all. I think the filling of the Holy Spirit that we learn in Ephesians chapter 5, that Paul says, be kept be being kept filled with the Holy Spirit is the actual best translation of that. In other words, it's there. Holy Spirit is there in your life, but sometimes I don't recognize it. It's kind of like, a, well, I mean, it's kind of like a, 
if I fill this bottle of water, I fill it, I empty it, fill it, I empty it. It's a continual process. But that we, we sometimes think, okay, that's the way the Holy Spirit works in my life. But it's not. The Holy Spirit is like, it's more like a, a, a boat with a sail. Okay, he, he is the winds blowing and sometimes I don't have the sail up or sometimes I'm not in the right area to, to let the, him fill my fill my life and let me direct, and direct me where I need to go. That's what a feeling of the spirit is. It is not something that that we have to magically do to achieve. It is something that the Holy Spirit has done with us. And we're just like, God, that's what you're leading me to do today. God, that's the person you want me to say hello to. That's the person who you want me to reach out to and just send a quick text message to. That's, that's you, Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's for him directing my day. It's not in him. I got to fill it up in the, the water cup in the morning. It's just like, I'm just listening and looking for him throughout the day because he's always there. He has not left you. He's not, uh, he has not ever left our side. He's not ever left our heart. There is never a repeat of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. It is a one-time event. The filling of the Spirit is that continual that continual feeling, it's like a realization that I'm in aligned with God's work. So back to this. First we see, back to the perm, okay? We see the promise of the, uh, in Scripture, and I'm going to move on to these other things a little bit faster than this. Um, the perm, the E stands for the evidence, the evidence of Holy Spirit power. What happens here is people hear, see, and witness the Holy Spirit happening in your life. And I want to look at uh, verse 2 and through 4 again briefly with you. It says, Suddenly a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. That's important. It was on everybody. Everybody is there together. Everybody received the Holy Spirit. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them few things I want to point out real quick is that there was a sound. There was an audible sound, and I didn't realize this. I was reading uh, um, John MacArthur, uh, one, of, one of my commentaries that I lean into as I try to figure out some things. He said that sound of that wind is so rushing, that, that was so powerful and rushing, that people came to look at it. What's going on here? That's kind of crazy. I've read this, I don't know how many hundreds of times, but that is pretty interesting to see. It said that the people heard, the people outside of that room, 150 people, they heard the sound of the wind and wanted to come and see what was going on. It's like the guy in, you know, from my hometown in Alabama telling me about the tornado that came through, right? It's just, he's, just, he's like, I told you, it was coming over the hill there. And so anyway, that's, it was, probably shouldn't do that accent, right, Holly? Um, the, it is a concept of, hey, God was doing something and people heard about it. They literally heard the Spirit of God moving there like a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it attracted them to be able to, to be involved in it. And what they saw were people that were totally engulfed and baptized by the Spirit. There was a sight whenever they got there. There was an appearance of fire. There was something so visual there. In Acts chapter 2, verse 3, it says, They saw the tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. They each had one. Everybody there in that room had one. The Spirit was given to each and every one of them. The Spirit didn't select people to just be filled with Him. The Spirit doesn't select people to just be baptized. He, every person that is a follower of Jesus Christ has been baptized with the Holy Spirit. He ha you have that presence. And sometimes I don't act and in, 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 in the way He's leading me, I don't do the things he's, he's, he's leading my heart to do. And that's whenever I'm not filled with the Spirit. But He is there. The appearance of fire was over everyone. And then it changed their speech. And, and uh, Haley read those, and we saw the fact that there was a, everyone was able to speak in a tongue that they had never done before. Matter of fact, whenever Haley read about the Galileans, he said in verse, um, excuse me, verse eight, he said they were, they were all astounded and amazed, saying, "Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans?" So, in other words, they're not educated men, is what he was saying. 
These people that are able to speak these foreign languages, they didn't go to school to learn these foreign languages. This is something new. This is something different. How is this happening is what they began to ask. And that evidence of the Holy Spirit, God is doing that in the people's life. They said, this is something different. This is something strange. Matter of fact, some people tried to excuse it like, oh, they must have been drinking, which makes no sense whatsoever, okay? These people got drunk and learned a new language. I don't understand that at all, where, that, where somebody's mind went there, but that's what comment of one good old boy said there. He said, no, it's, not, it's, uh, it's the fact that uh, they, you know, they're, that's not what happened. And Paul begins to teach it. And so the uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life should be very similar. It should be, so people should be able to see it. People should be able to hear it. The things that happen in my life and when the Holy Spirit is moving like there should be sound and sight and speech that's changed by the Holy Spirit of God. Whenever we're in a situation, environment where uh, the God is not very prevalent, the light shines brightest in the darkness, right? And that's what, we are, that's what we're called to do, to love a friend, to love somebody and demonstrate a love that is not natural. Holly has a friend that she has been loving on for the last year. And the, and, the, and the woman sometimes begins to ask, why do, you, why do you hang out with me? Why do you do that? And Holly says, because I love you. And that's not natural sometimes, but Holly's heart is compelled by the Holy Spirit and drawn towards this woman. And so that's, and the gospel is going forth because of that. They can see our actions and they begin to ask and say, why does this happen? Why do you do that? And, they, and, and you'll be able to give testimony to these things. Why did you serve me this meal? Why did you take care of me? Why did you, why did you help me when nobody else would? And that is because the Holy Spirit within us gives us power to do something that we're not necessarily able or drawn to even under our own things. I, it happens to me sometimes. I mean, God, the Holy Spirit moves on me. And uh, matter of fact, Holly and I met a friend the other day that we hadn't seen in a while. And we reached out to him and just, you know, I, we're able, thought we we're going to, typically we'd give him a dollar or two just kind of bless him, encourage him. But this day we didn't have, we didn't have a nickel on us, didn't have anything to, but you know what? He wanted to reach out and give us a big hug because we had been uh, three or four weeks since we had seen him. And that's the Holy Spirit, that's the, the, that bond. So, hey, he saw something different in us, not just the money. He saw a heart that really cared for him. I was able to tell him that we were praying for him. That is the Holy Spirit that's working through us. So moving quickly here, the promise, it stands for the, the firm stands for the promise, the evidence, and now we'll talk about the results of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a couple of things that we see here um, in Scripture says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Well, the thing I understand, a couple, a couple of points I want to say, there's two things that happen. There's gospel proclamation, and then there's people saved when the Holy Spirit moves. When the Holy Spirit moves in mind in your life, the gospel is proclaimed in some way. Sometimes we forget to declare it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit empowers us to declare the gospel. But sometimes we're the hands of the gospel. Sometimes we're the feet of the gospel. But we need to make sure that we, God gives us opportunity, that we, have, that we are the mouth of the gospel. Just like uh, Peter takes up and he says these things, and he says, I will, I will proclaim the gospel right here. First Peter 3.15 says, ready at any, Be ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you. It's not just the pastors and the staff of one community church whose responsibility is to spread the gospel. It's Caleb. It's you. Sharing Jesus' love in some unique way through the hands and being the hands and feet in Jesus. Uh, people were saved, and that's a, that's a huge thing. As the Holy Spirit moved, uh, people get saved. And if, people, if the Holy Spirit's not moving, people aren't going to give their lives to Jesus. But Peter replied, when they said, what should we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who accepted his message were baptized that day. And you, look at this number, 3,000 people were added to them. 150 people started out. By the end of this little service, 
3,000 more. That's, that's, that's growth, right? That's, that's a church exploding. That's a church moving. The church is being born. And then God said, that somewhere in Scripture says, that, and Jesus said in Scripture, said, we will, greater works will be done in you. And that's pretty cool. God wants to do mighty, mighty things through us. So the result of the Holy Spirit's presence in the lives of the, the, the birth of the church was the gospel proclamation and the people's salvation. But the same thing has happened in our life. The Holy Spirit produces, remember the key phrase I want to tell you, it produces a fruit in us that you and I are not capable of genuinely producing on our own. Love? It's a stretch sometimes to love somebody. Joy? Oh, ouch. It's, I don't wake up joyful every morning. I mean, Holly and them have told me to be quiet because I'm a little bubbly sometimes in the morning. Uh, joy, joy, but I'm, let's just say most people don't. <laughs> love, love, joy, peace. Man, this is a, it's a difficult world. Hearing the sirens going off right now. Heard another story of a difficult thing happening this morning on the way here, even to church. How do we have peace in chaos? We have a Holy Spirit that lives in us. Patience. Man, let's, don't, let's skip that one. Um, kindness. Goodness. Gentleness and faithfulness. That is the Holy Spirit work. If you can produce all those in your own power, you're a different person. You're a different makeup. It's got to be God producing those things through me. I struggle with those things. It's not something. Here's the thing, though. Fruit doesn't come from me struggling hard. Fruit comes from me just releasing and let the Holy Spirit flow in through me. That's the way it happens. That's the way the Holy Spirit comes through us. And people recognize it. People And people become saved because of the fact of they understand and they see a gospel that has been proclaimed in some way. Let's wrap things up this morning. We talked about the promises of, of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit, the result of the Holy Spirit, real quickly, the meaning of the Holy Spirit. In verse 12, they were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Well, be careful when you ask a pastor what this means, okay? Because I think Peter went on for about you know, 25 verses explaining what it means, and, 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 Peter, and, uh, and Luke says, and he said many more things, okay? Uh, so <laughs> he said, okay, I'm tired of taking notes here. No, they, he just kept, but the thing is, people are curious whenever they see the Spirit of God move in our life. That's what happens. That's what the meaning of the Holy Spirit means. The points that there's prophecy fulfilled, and they talk about Joel and the fact that he said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all the people, and your, your young men will dream dreams, and your old women will prophesy, and things like this. And, and God begins to say prophecy was fulfilled whenever the Holy Spirit moves and whenever his work is done in our life. Next thing we learn here is that the gospel is for all people. I don't want us to forget this. In verse 17, it says, then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. The gospel is for everybody. It's not just for somebody that was in that upper room doing what Jesus said. The other people walked up and said, hey, what's going on? 3,000 people of them. 3,000 said, oh, I get that. That is, that is a move of God. And so... That's the gospel goes forth and salvation is for all people. And we see that we'll see, continue to see that throughout the book of Acts and the multiple languages and the understanding points out to the fact that the nations were understanding what God wanted them to do. The meaning of the Holy Spirit in my life is that you and I have an opportunity to respond to what Jesus did. I can I, I got to surrender my life and surrender my daily life to uh, to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Not that he ever left me, but to me to be sensitive to what he's doing. You know, the, the strange thing about a perm, right? The word perm is short for permanent, right? It never was permanent, right? <laughs> a few, few months later, my sisters were back in there getting another one. The thing is, the Holy Spirit 
produces something in us that we can't produce on our own. And he says, you know, I will promise you this Holy Spirit, and I will do this, and I will live in you, and I'll never leave you and forsake you. So he's not, it's, that's the big difference in this permanent perm and the permanent that we're looking at here. The Holy Spirit it takes a permanent residence in my life. He's evident. He will show up in my life, and he will give me a testimony. He will give me the words to be able to point to him. The result with people will be coming to know him, and that you and I have an opportunity to be missionaries to this world in which you live in. Remember the fact, what God's called you to do. Sometimes we've tried to produce things in our own, in our own power, and I love what Chris said a couple of weeks ago because I just so related to this term. It's kind of like cutting butter with a chainsaw. It's not, it just, it's messy, okay? Whenever we try to do things in our own power, it's whenever we uh, surrender the Holy Spirit and we begin to have the power of God that is unstoppable work through us. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm, I want to ask a few questions to think about what we've dealt with today. I'm going to ask Hannah Jane and the band to make their way back up here. And uh, First thing I want you to think about is, uh, first of all, have I ever trusted in Jesus' complete work on the cross? The Holy Spirit is a promise to everyone that has trusted in what Jesus has done. And, but He's not going to dwell in somebody's life that has never accepted in the work that He's done on the cross. So do you believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross for you? Has there been a time in your life where you understood that and said, I believe that. I trust in the work that He did. I trust in Him for my salvation. If you did, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. If you never have, Today's a great day to start. We'd love to talk with you about that in a few moments over here to the side. Pray with one of our staff members or someone else that could help lead you to help understand what it means to trust in Jesus. The next question I want to ask you is, what has the Holy Spirit asked you to do lately? Has the Holy Spirit asked you to do something? And you're like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. Well, if the Holy Spirit asks us to do something... We have to be obedient. We have to follow Him. So asking that question, has God asked you to do something through the Holy Spirit lately? Has He prompted you to, to call somebody, to text somebody, just to stop and talk to somebody or to reach out and love somebody in some unique way? Have I been obedient? Thirdly, I just want to ask is, are you taking time, am I taking time for the Holy Spirit to fill me by daily listening to him. Lord, help me to pause every day to feel you, to see you, to see where you're at work and celebrate that. Holy Spirit, lead me to love in unique ways. So, last question I want to ask you is, what's God's Word teaching you today, and what are you going to do about it? Has He spoken to you something, maybe through His Word, that you need to take a step towards, maybe even water baptism, and you need to talk with someone about that? Or maybe it's salvation and, and understanding, I, oh, I need to follow Christ, I need to trust in Christ, and quit trusting in my own things, and trust in what Jesus did for me to get me to heaven. Or maybe you just need to pray with someone. You're going through something that you hadn't shared with someone or are you just going through something that you need more prayer because God answers prayer. His, uh, the, the saints of his people, he cares about, he loves you, and he wants to hear your prayer. So join with somebody this morning and pray with them about the things that you're going through in your life. What are you going to do with what you heard from the word today? In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.